Hey, it's good to be back with you. As always, we're grateful that you are with us. We're uh, moving into our series called The Gospel, and we're going to be handling today the fall of man and how the gospel message uh, reacts to what happened to the, at the beginning with Adam and Eve. And we're going to be in Genesis 3, 1 through 6 uh, for the majority of this sermon, and I want to read that to you now. It says, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord had made. And he said to woman, did God, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows when you eat, when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some of her husband, some to her husband, uh, who was with her. That's a key phrase right there. And he ate it as well. Let's pray together. Father, help me to take uh, such a subject as this and be as plain as I can, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, even with an audience that I can't see. Um, Lord, uh, if you give me a word of knowledge to speak to a person or their situation, and you prompt me with it, Lord, I do want to be obedient to speak to that. And then, uh, Lord, you will remind me that you look at all of us today, but you look at me differently because I'm your teacher, a preacher of your word. And upon me is a greater and a more strict judgment than anybody. And I know this, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. In Genesis 2, 8 and 9, we have that uh, uh, the, the garden is being planted and the, the garden grew. Uh, we have in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, that uh, God gives to Adam the guidance, uh, basically the rules uh, of, of living in the garden. And then in Genesis 2, 21 through 25, uh, we have the creation of woman, a helpmate uh, for him. But we're going to focus today on Genesis 3, 1 through 6, what I've just read to you, where it begins the fall of man and then a picture of why we are in so need of the gospel, the good news of our Lord. In verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, we have, it says, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree of the garden? <clears throat> Satan is using a serpent here in a cunning way which is often why we refer to Satan being cunning in his, in his work and his rebellion. And a rebellion begins. Uh, he, uh, the rebellion begins with his approach to Eve, and then also he begins to twist the truth. And let's look at how he begins to twist the truth. <clears throat> in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 2, the instructions given to Adam by the Lord are this said, And the Lord God commanded the man, you are, to eat, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day that you eat from it, you will certainly or surely 
you will die, became the instruction. I want to remind you that good and evil already exist. Don't get to thinking that this tree is the tree of good and evil. It is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, good already exists because God is good. And Logan did a wonderful job of telling you that even in the last sermon that in, in the series of this series of the gospel, uh, that God is good, Satan is evil. This is already happening. So uh, partaking of the tree does not instigate good and evil. It just brings to Adam and Eve the knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. So uh, even though they didn't know this at this time. And then he begins the, the cunning approach. And that is, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? He, 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 he totally twists that because the instruction is, you, can, you, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden. And his question is, uh, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Uh, I want you to hear this as, uh, because in this sermon, we're gonna pick up some of Satan's tactics. Uh, I believe they're tactics that you really already know, but maybe it'll be a good reminder to you. And if not, it, it'll be good for you to know and to understand. Satan will continually suggest that God limits life. I want you to hear that. Satan will continually suggest that following God limits you, will absolutely limit you. Because uh, God actually said that you can eat from any tree in the garden but one. But Satan is giving the suggestion that, didn't he, did he say that you can't eat from any of the trees? Uh, man, that's happened to so many of us. You, you get to talking to somebody about their relationship with the Lord, their fellowship with the Lord, the fellowship with this church, uh, their work of the kingdom of God and the mission of God. And man, you can almost see it in their eyes or their facial expression that it has, uh, you're, you're, they, they think God is limiting their life where God is absolutely expanding their life. The truth is, God is actually giving great freedom. He's giving great freedom to Adam and Eve. He just gave one thing for them not to do. Everything else was for their benefit and their blessing and their union and their fellowship and everything. Everything was for them. He just asked them to not do one thing. That's all. I don't see that as limiting at all. I see that as incredible freedom. Uh, just in prepping for this and just being a pastor and reading uh, and just reflecting, uh, we understand that God gives great freedom to us. And, but when, when you take freedom and misdirect it, it's when all things start to begin to crumble. And we're gonna be handling that in, in just a moment. I just want you to see that Satan's trying to limit, trying to limit God's promise and, 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 and God's freedom, and that God is actually giving great freedom. I want you to see how Satan twisted that right there. Then in verses two, then in verses two and three, uh, we have the picture of uh, her getting the instructions right almost. Uh, let's, let's read this. It says, the woman said to the serpent, uh, we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden. So she, she's, she's getting it back on course. But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it. And then she inserts 
and includes or touch it. Uh, that's where I'm saying she almost gets it right, not completely right. I want to remind you that uh, God gave the instruction to Adam. That's why in a moment we're going to hold him responsible for this uh, more than we do Eve. Uh, but the pictures, he gave it to Adam, and then later the helpmate, the woman, was created. So she, she's got most of it right. She's really correcting a little bit what's going on, but she still even gets it wrong by saying God told us not to touch it. Um, then we go to verses four. We go to verses four and five. Satan puts another twist here in the story. Uh, he says, no, you, you will not die. You will not die. Uh, becomes another lie that he gives there. In fact, he goes, he goes on to say in verse five, God knows when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Uh, he says, you're not going to die. In fact, if you eat it, you're going to become like God. I want to remind you, this is Satan's desire for himself, even in the rebellion of heaven. Uh, and that is to be like God. And so one of the, one of, and he knows, you got to understand this. This is why he's cunning. He knows that if he wanted to be like God and he was removed, that God, uh, Pushing Eve to become like God is going to get her removed. You got to see the picture that is actually happening here in the twisting of the story by Satan. So Satan's desire in heaven was to be like God. And that's where the rebellion of heaven actually begins. So he, he places her eating it already. Uh, I, I, uh, I stumbled, I really stumbled on this when I was just reading the scripture slowly and I want you to see this subtle thing that Satan did in verse five. He said, in fact, God knows that when you eat it, he didn't say if you eat it, he is already projecting to her that she's going to eat this forbidden from the forbidden tree. Uh, he's already given when this happens. He said that you will know more now than before. You're gonna have greater understanding. Your eyes will be open. And not only that, you're going to know good and evil. You're going to be like God. Here in verses four and five, uh, Satan is presenting a lie which looks like an incredible promise. Uh, I, I want to remind you of that. That's still evident and true today. I, I mean, uh, I, I want you to I want you to listen to some things. Satan will tell you that you never have to be saved. And if you're saved, he'll tell you never to be baptized. And, and he'll even tell you, you don't even have to connect with the church. And I want to remind you, the church is the bride of Christ. You can't love one without the other. I just want you to hear his subtle lies. He continues that uh, you, you'll hear in what's referred to as secular humanism today. I, I know that's not plain enough for a child to understand. I get that. But it is that you are a God. God, you are, you are God. Uh, it just goes on and on and on with his cunning and his, it, the lies that he uses. It looks like a promise, um, but it's absolutely a lie. And Adam and Eve literally had it all. I want you to stop and think. Had it all. Everything for their contentment, their happiness, their survival. They literally had everything. But notice in the passages here that Satan tempts them with a desire of more. Did you hear me? 
That, that is a continual tactic of our Lord. Even in the prosperity preaching of the gospel, uh, which is not the gospel, but that, uh, you know, it's gated communities. It's, it's always a front row parking spot. It's always a, a place at first class on the plane. It goes on and on and on and on. Uh, but you have to understand that God really had Adam and Eve set up. Do you understand though what? I mean that in a positive way, very set up. Everything was for them and to live in harmony with them and their God. And here Satan comes in and says, well, you, you know, there's all these other trees, but there's that one tree. And uh, you know, if you eat of it, you'll, not, you'll, you'll understand more than you know now and you'll end up being like God. The, the Satan uses this same tactic with all of us today, and that is the desire of more. It's just, no, we're not content. Paul writes, be content with what you have. Because if you're not content with what you have now, you're not gonna be content in what you have later. It just goes on and on and on, the desire of more. Robert Coleman wrote this. It's very short and very sweet uh, and very simple. He said, Satan appears to be a friend and a counselor. Man, is that not the truth? Uh, he doesn't come to me necessarily as something scary. Uh, in fact, scripture says they can look like angels of, of, of light and sons of righteousness. Uh, but he appears as a friend to Eve and a counselor to Eve. Uh, and then let's look at verse six. This is, this is, this is where... It, our whole point begins today. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, key phrase, and he ate it as well. The, she saw the tree as desirable, bringing more, which is the wisdom, she took the fruit, she ate it, she gave it to Adam who was with her. We call it Adam's sin. And there are, there are a couple reasons why we don't call this Eve's sin, even though she's the one who was partaking of the tree and the fruit of that tree. Uh, we call it Adam's sin because he was there and he let this take place. Also because God gave the instruction first to Adam before he even had created Eve in the segment of scripture, in the context of scripture, and therefore he let it happen. Notice this also in the passage. Eve, the tempted, now becomes the tempter. It, it, wasn't, the, it wasn't the serpent that tempted Adam. It was the serpent that, that tempted Eve. And then when she was partaking of a forbidden fruit from a forbidden tree, it was Eve that became the tempter of, uh, of Adam. I say this a lot, and I read this a lot in the New Testament, and that is God gives great warning about being a stumbling block to somebody else. And, and I mean, you, you actually literally helping somebody else to fall. And that's what this passage, chapter three, verses one through six is. It's the fall of man. It's the rebellion of man. And we, help, we can end up helping other people rebel against the God who gave them life. And it's so often we can look and go, Eve, how horrible. She was the tempted and became the tempter. But you and I can absolutely look just like Eve. 
we were the tempted. We, we were partaking of the temptation, participating in it. And then later on, uh, we become the tempter to absolutely other people. I pray that we never find ourselves there. And I, I wrote here in my notes that a rebellion begins, because this is not the only rebellion, uh, but a, a rebellion begins. Early on in my ministry, I was uh, I would read uh, James Dobson, who uh, can seem ancient to a lot of people today, but I would read James Dobson about parenting. And James Dobson was talking about the about rebellion that can be in our adult life and our our child our childhood life uh, and all that's involved and even how to handle it. And I remember a story that he told that gave me the picture of Adam and Eve's rebellion and my rebellion and your rebellion, our rebellion is even in this room today. Uh, and, and the story is of James Dobson told the story of a dad who took his elementary age daughter to a high school basketball game, their local high school. And I remember this growing up. I don't know if it's true today or not because I don't go to that many high school basketball games. But it was pretty common for uh, people who went to school together to uh, be under one of the baskets, one of the backboards in the, in the baskets, and, and to be there, especially when they're warming up, you know, and you a ball dribbles off and then you catch it and throw it back to one of the players and you know that's really a that's really a big thing and, but kids gather down there underneath the, the basket out of bounds of course and they they play together they're just hanging out there together so the dad had his little girl up in the stands and she asked she saw her friends down there playing in that area behind the backboard and gathering there and she asked her dad if she could go and her dad said, yes, you can. Uh, you can go on one condition. He said, uh, uh, we see the basketball court and obviously there's the out of bounds line. But in most high schools today, they have a border around there that's usually the color of the school colors. And so it becomes a wider border than the out of bounds line. And so he, uh, he took her down there and he said, you can play right here. And he was referring to the the school color border around the court. And he said, just don't step over this, over this line here, this border. So she seemed to understand. The dad went back up to the stands. He got his seat. He looked down and his daughter looked at the border around the basketball court and looked at her dad, looked at her friends, looked at the border, looked at her dad, and then took her foot and stepped right over the line. That, that really can become a picture of even what's happening here. Uh, what's happening here is Adam and Eve, they, they, they know the freedom they had. They had one limitation. Satan's trying to tell them that God limits your life. Man, if you go there, your life's going to open up like you can't imagine. And what happened here is that when they were eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the forbidden tree, the forbidden fruit, uh, they, 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 what did they open up? They opened up a rebellion for every single one of us to participate. I, I might as well in my life and years, I've looked at God when he said, don't step over that line. I've looked at God. I've looked at my friends. I've looked at my father and I've stepped over it anyway. That's exactly what happened in this rebellion. <clears throat> so I, I want you to see this is the key to this sermon today.
It's not that the rebellion happened. It's that the rebellion that happened there has been passed on to every single one of us. Look at Psalm 51, 4 and 5 real quickly. David has uh, slept with another man's woman, uh, Bathsheba. She became pregnant. And so uh, he was devising a way to cover that up. And her husband fought for David's armies. Uh, he He had Uriah, her husband, to come back. And as he came back to see his wife, and he was moved from the from the from, from the battlefield, he thought, well, the first thing he'll do is sleep with her, and then she can tell him that that is his child. Well, he was so devout to the king that he would not go be with his wife because his other his 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 soldier friends would not be able to go be with their families, and so he stayed away. So that wasn't going to work. So David had to devise a plan to have him killed. And in, in, in a twist of it all, he had him put on the front lines and even had people uh, retreat so it would leave him out there to be killed. And he was killed. And, and uh, David came to know his sin before God. And I want you to see this. Our rebellion today whether you want to see it as eating of a forbidden fruit from a forbidden tree or just a simple illustration of me looking at my father and stepping my foot over the line. Whatever you want to be able to see that as is it is a rebellion and it is a sin against God. Uh, And look what David said in verses four and five of chapter 51. It's about the sin that I just told you or the sins that I just told you about in his life. He says, against you or you alone have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. I I just want you to see the act of Adam and Eve and what all happened there, eating a forbidden fruit from a forbidden tree yet having the freedom of all the others begins a rebellion. Sin is a rebellion. Uh, when, when James says, when you know to do good and don't do it, to you it is sin, he says. It breaks this beautiful fellowship that we have. It breaks it to, to a point that you're gonna feel disconnected. Disobedience will always make you feel isolated and disconnected. Look at Romans 5, 12 for just a moment. This is what Paul wrote. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all men because all have sinned. Here's the key. Because of Adam and Eve's rebellion, you and I are born into a rebellion. We have a nature to want to be able to, to rebel. And God changes that nature through Christ his grace and his mercy to the point that we have a nature to be able to obey. Um, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a a Russian novelist. He was a historian. Uh, He was a political protester against against the Communist Party. And he suffered as a political uh, prisoner as well. And uh, it says, uh, there's something that Robert Coleman wrote in the heart of the gospel that I want to give you today. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who suffered for many years under communism, recalled that as a child, he heard some older people offering the following explanation for the terrible disasters that had befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. 
That's why all this has happened. Uh, we got a lot going on in our nation today and in our world today. There's a lot of rebellion going on in all kinds of ways. And I've had this conversation with several people recently, even in the past few weeks. And I, I've, I've come to this. When you and I move from God, when, when, we, when we start moving away from God, we start losing the sense of value in other people's lives. Three kids were at a bus stop in Louisville, Kentucky. One of them was murdered. Going to school, one of them was murdered. And it's, it's because some people, for whatever reason, shot outside of a vehicle door or a window and, and injured these kids and took, because they, they, don't, they see them as nothing but objects. I want to remind you, the more you move away from God, the less you're going to value life. I can say that about murder. I can say that about abortion. I can say that about human trafficking where women and men are nothing but objects. I can say that about those who deal drugs to other people. They're nothing but a profit to them. They don't even think about their lives. And if something happens to one of their clients in the drug world, they just find somebody else to move into that place. The more you drift from God, the more you drift from God, the less value you will have on somebody else's life. Now, let me show you how this rebellion moved into that relatively fast. Uh, it'll end up being in chapter four of Genesis, but we know those verses may be short, but they do represent a timeline and a generation of people. But this rebellion led to an argument over who had the best offering <laughs> Uh, before the Lord, and the Lord favored Abel, and he didn't favor Cain. And Abel was a first fruits type of offering, and Cain just gave. And Cain's offering was rejected, and Cain became furious and angry, and he killed his own brother. Do you see how quickly a rebellion has led to the, the lessening of the value of life? Uh, I, I just want you to hear that. If you're drifting from God, you, you will devalue other people's opinions and thoughts and their, even their existence. The devalue of life will intend and it, it will begin to occur. The rebellion, that rebellion has even led to this. And even part of the gospel message is, think of people higher than you do yourselves. Uh, serve other people. Uh, you know, if you've got the main seat at the main desk and the main table, uh, and somebody doesn't have one, and they come in, give them yours. It just go, it just blows us out of the water of how the gospel message is about putting him and others even before he puts yourself. Guys, that's another sermon. You know, I, the Logan and I were talking. I could spend a, a, a whole semester on just even the fall of man. Adam and Eve, what they did then, don't you get so mad at them. We do the same now. And here's how the blame game happened. God confronted Adam. Adam blamed Eve. Uh, Eve ended up blaming the, the serpent. And it, that just continues on and it continues on. Don't you be mad at Adam and Eve because they're us. They, they are who we are. So what's the good news? The good news is we keep rebelling and he keeps seeking and intervening into our lives. That's the good news. Uh, between our rebellion and our eternity, he is absolutely flooding us with his grace 
and his mercy. His grace is what I don't deserve. His mercy is everything that I need or deserve. He absolutely withholds from us. He keeps reconciling himself to us through the very person of Jesus. Don't you ever say God is not good because in the midst of a rebellion that started then and our rebellion today, man, he's intervening in our lives by redeeming us and saving us and changing us. Uh, this doesn't contain the good news, it does. He really does seek to desire a relationship with you. And I pray today that you surrender to that today. Let's quit our rebelling, all right? Let's be obedient people. And he changes us into that. God doesn't limit you. He absolutely expands your life and your capabilities. And let's be a part of that today. And the gospel message is he came to save you and to change that nature of rebellion to a nature to obey. And will you let us do it? He will do it and he can do it. Let's trust him to do it even in our own lives. Thanks for being with us. I love you. And we say to each other before we leave, grace and peace to you.